Bloody Elbow presents Crooklyn's Corner, a hodgepodge of current event topics from the combat sports and entertainment community. Here is your host, Crooklyn, a.k.a. Steffi Haynes. Hello and welcome to another episode of Crooklyn's Corner. I'm your host, Steffi Haynes, but most of you still know me as Crooklyn. And joining me today is my good friend and colleague, Mr. Zane Simon, one of the best fight analysts in the business. Now, the last time we had him on, we discussed professional things. Things that you could get to know him better on a professional level, like what his favorite fights are and what bothers him about fighters when they're making mistakes. This time, we're going to go a more personal route. We're going to find out some some fun stuff about Zane. Now, Zane, I want to give you a moment here to uh, tell us what you've been doing over the past, oh, I don't know, 72 hours. Well, other than working for we we did the the covering the Font Vera fight, uh, just been hanging out with friends and drinking some scotch and watching movies and stuff like that. You know, all my normal stuff. So scotch, let's talk scotch for a second okay. first. How do you take it neat? I ice usually with ice, and if it's peaty, uh, I will pretty much 50 50 it with water i'm i'm not gonna lie and pretend that i'm like some lover of a super peaty sketch but i have i have it has grown on me i just find that i need water in it to really open up the aroma and not make it feel so much like i'm licking a tire (laughs) all right so now that we've got the scotch question out of the way let's dive right into our 20 random questions with mm-hmm. Zane Simon. So our first question, what is your go-to meal when you're cooking for family or friends? And I ask this because we all know that you're quite the chef. So give me your go-to meal. I, I mean, I tend to like to change things up a lot. Right now, my go-to is probably lamb biryani. That's been the one, the thing that I've really, we've been enjoying pu- pulling out as like a party trick dish. Because it's such an it's such a involved process that you really have to take a couple days to put it all together, and the end result is so good that it, you know it, it's really impressive. But you know, I also do like a beef stroganoff or just uh, sometimes like a lasagna or something like that. You know, whatever whatever the mood strikes at the time, really. I really love the idea of the lamb biryani. That's a labor of love for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta make, you gotta marinate the lamb for like a day, in essentially in a curry. You you put together all the curry ingredients in with the lamb and stick it in a bag for a day, and then you cook it all down, and. You, you know, you, you, you dump it into a pot basically and you cook it like a curry for several hours until the lamb is falling apart. And then you take a, uh, you, you take some rice and you have to parboil the rice and get that ready and set aside. And you take a whole bunch of herbs and, you know, just a ton of cilantro and mint and uh stuff like that and you know like a a a couple cups of it and then you make some milk infused with saffron and then you take some onions and you uh cook those all the way down to the point that they're totally caramelized like you know you're taking like four whole onions and cook them to the point that you've just got like threads basically Mm. and then you turn it you basically just turn it into like indian lasagna where you put like a layer of curry down and then a layer of uh, herbs down, and then a layer of rice down, and then a layer of onions down, and then you drizzle it with the saffron milk, and then you put a layer of curry down, and you put a layer of herbs down, and a layer of rice down, and a layer of onions down, you drizzle it with saffron milk, and you do that one, you do that three times, and then you pop the whole thing in the oven, and you bake it for an hour, and boom you got oh you covered the top of it in butter too i forgot that like eight tablespoons of butter and then uh you've got 
amazing, magic, beautiful, best thing you've ever eaten kind of kind of food. But it's a labor of love. It really is. And not to mention how difficult basmati rice can be because it is not the same measurements as regular rice and water. You cannot... One cup rice, one and a half cups water, exactly. 15 minutes for basmati. Exactly. It is, it is a tricky rice but, to deal with. Yeah. But the thing with this is you parboil the rice. Yeah. So you only cook it for like three minutes. Exactly. But and then you take it out and then you, you spray it with cold water so that the rice is just a little cooked because then you're going to bake it with all this other stuff and it's going to, the steam is going to release and that's going to cook the rice for you in the pot, in the dish. So, but yeah, basmati, it, it will sit there and it will mimic like it's done. Like if you're cooking basmati just to, to cook the basmati as a side dish for you, for your Mm -hmm. uh, curries or whatever. And then you pull it out of the pot and as it sits, it releases all the extra water. So it sits in a pool of water if you don't do it right. Yeah. The thing, the trick I've found got my, my stove cooks really hot. So I have to rice is well, if it's, if you're cooking wild rice or brown rice, the trick I found that works way better is to just, put like eight cups of water in a pot, put the rice in and, uh, or actually put eight cups of water in, boil it, dump the rice in and cook it, cook it for 45 minutes or so, and then strain it and then put the rice on the stove, uh, back in the hot pot covered for 10 minutes to steam. Mm Mm-hmm. And that will cook your wild rices, your brown rices, any rice that takes more than, half an hour Mm. that'll cook that perfectly every time then you don't have to worry about it burning you have to measure the water out just right any of that but with basmati it is really like the thing i have to do with my stove because it cooks so hot is you watch it until you see like one little bubble starting to escape Mm. from the bottom of the pan just barely the idea you can sense that the pot wants to simmer and then you pop a piece of tin foil over the top and put the lid on on top of the tin foil to get a really good seal and then you turn it I, i've got one of those you know uh electric glass tops that has the multiple sizes mm. so then you turn it to low on like the lowest size and have it sit there for 15 minutes you basically want it as close to you know as close to just a barely like keeping it warm hot kind of thing where it's going to steam on its own and it's it's definitely tricky i'm not going to lie basmati's a pain in the ass it really is all right so you have just given us amazing bonus content because we got a full recipe out of you and i love that so along with that dinner Mm -hmm. what's a movie that you would pair that with what's a movie that you think everyone should watch well, okay, a movie pair. I mean, I, I don't do a lot of Bollywood, so I can't really like, you know, <laughs> but the ideal pairing for something like Biryani would obviously, you know, be like Monsoon Wedding or something. I don't know. It's not going to be my thing. But a uh, movie everyone should watch. Oh, that's trickier. I mean, my go-to of like a movie. <sighs> my... <sighs> Okay, my go-to for a movie I think everyone should watch, and I regret saying it because the man's kind of a notorious piece of shit, is Chinatown, the Roman Polanski film. Oh, yes, with Jack Nicholson. With Jack Nicholson and Faye Faye Dunaway. Yeah, I love that movie. And John Houston. What a twist at the end, right? Well, yeah, I mean, it's a a twist, but it's, it's one of those things like you... You know the the movie really is. It's one of the rare mo- mystery movies where watching it again and again doesn't let make you feel any le- more like oh I know what I I I know how the mystery ends so I I don't care about the movie anymore. Right. It doesn't remove that tenseness yeah. that you constantly feel. You're always yeah. on the edge of your seat in that one. Yeah, and a big part of that is because like you forget. You know, we forget because of the twist. Like the mystery is why did this guy, why did this woman's husband get killed? Yeah. You know, he's like a uh, one of the head men for like a the city owning the a uh, water company in Los Angeles, and he gets killed. And you forget by the end. You remember the end, 
and you forget that what the movie is about is why did this guy get murdered? Mm-hmm. But all of the side stuff really yeah. takes over. And yeah. Who can forget the 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 nose slicing scene? Yeah, yeah. So that I mean that is honestly one of those movies that I I think everybody should just see at least once because it is incredibly fascinating and you know it, dramatic and meaningful and one of it's a movie everybody should see like i don't expect everybody to love it or be comfortable with it or happy about it but the kind of movies that everybody should see once are not movies that i think are happy necessarily going to be happy stories you know yeah if you're talking about a movie need to people a movie people need to watch i'm not going to be like you know fucking toy story here or something i don't know (laughs) all right uh let's let's get a little more personal tell me your most embarrassing moment i try to live a life (laughs) of embarrassment i i I am a very plan ahead think ahead person i am not a spontaneous person i i do not uh put myself in a lot of situations where I would be uh, easily embarrassed. And I also try not to think about and dwell on the past because I'm sure I have, I remember not that long ago trying to show, trying to uh, pretend to to do the Riker sit where you step over the chair Uh as you sit down and sit backwards and the front of my pants totally split open. (laughs) Like that was absolutely embarrassing. That's what I'm looking for right there. (laughs) Yeah. But the easy embarrassing moment is that there's a, a, a gif floating around out there that Mookie has saved of me when I used to do the show on video and I'd do like a little dance every time. And that always, I don't, I don't mind it. I did it. And I would, if I was still doing the show on video, I would still do stupid little weird dances and weird little things every time. But every time I see it, I cringe. Okay. I I like the other one. (laughs) All right. What's your biggest fear? Ah. Deep water, probably. Sharks are drowning, though. Drowning. Drowning, yeah. I've heard uh, people that have almost drowned, that they explain it like they feel like they're catching on fire because their lungs, I guess, you know, the pain in the lungs. But um, I wouldn't want to drown. I think I'd rather be eaten by sharks than drown. Drowning and getting stabbed to death are two things that I just sound Mm. absolutely abominable to me. Like, I cannot, you know, they would be horrifying to happen. I saw a conversation today about the idiots that insist on going up on Everest just to say that they did. And what's funny is that only, like, five people have actually made it to the summit like actually yes. all the way to the top and it it cracks me up that all these people will go and just be willing to die on the side of that mountain oh and yeah no i don't know i don't understand that at all but at least to death and being left out there for decades because yeah. nobody can go get your ass no i mean it's everest is a dump of like mm. white corpses yep um but i at least that to me like i know hypothermia and freezing to death is not technically a horrible way to die people have who have almost died that way often talk about it being like euphoric almost where like you feel warm at the end and you kind yeah. of go delusional and then you go to sleep yeah so i that is much more manageable to me but just the like i grew up in you know out on the ocean and fishing a lot deep deep water sea fishing deep sea fishing and i've never been a great swimmer i'm a better swimmer now than i ever used to be um i I never really had buoyancy i would always just kind of (laughs) sink and deep where i cannot even like fathom the bottom let alone see it it just creeps the hell out of me. I won't lie about that. Just, just give me the willies. So I don't mind being on a boat because I'm on a boat. I know I'm safe, but 
You know, you just you get out there into the middle of the ocean. You just look down and you think about it. Like, what if I was in that? Same I, track. I, same track. Have you ever had yeah. a near death experience or a, or an experience where maybe the undertow carried you out a little bit? And maybe that's kind of. That's definitely not happened to me with like the ocean. I, I've fallen off a boat a couple of times and it was a little panicky, but that's not why I have that fear. It's just a, it's a, it's born of being a bad swimmer mm. and having swum out in deep places and found myself suddenly unable to keep swimming and then being panicking and having to reckon with that and you know that's really where that fear is born out of but like i say i'm a better swimmer now than i ever used to be so i i, I could probably try and conquer that if i really wanted to plus you can always flip on your back and back float and paddle backwards that's yeah which is how i got idea. through swimming classes when i was a kid and all that but once you start panicking out there which i've done before like you can't it, you can't really yeah. force yourself to like do it right you just start to panic. You so get have tired. You, have you ever had a near-death experience? Maybe, uh, when I was a kid at one point, I, I definitely like was trying to cross a little, I don't even want to call it a river, but like a, a hard-flowing flash flood stream in the out in the desert in the southwest. And I got swept down some rocks into a pool and somebody had to like grab me and save me. Mm-hmm. But... I, that was, I don't even think I would have been that near death. I probably would have just, you know, washed out. up a little further downstream. But that's about as close as I've come. What is your biggest achievement so far in life? I don't know, given my... <laughs> she's my she's dog. telling you. <laughs> dog, training. dog training is my biggest achievement. Um, but... Given given my generation, probably the fact a my marriage. It's, I've been married for quite a long time now, and I'm always going to feel like that's the best decision I ever made. Um, and also being able to buy a my own place. Yeah, you know. Yeah, that's that's good, especially as young as you did it, because you've owned your yeah. own place for a long time. Yeah, we've been here for eight years or so. And so, you know, that those kinds of things, that they, they feel like achievements. I don't know. I'm not an ambitious person at all. So, like, you know, writing and work achievements, stuff like that, like, that doesn't, it's just not that important to me. So, I don't know. What's at the top of your bucket list? Oh, that's also hard because I'm not a very ambitious person. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, we want to travel more is really it. And I don't, you know, and I've, I've traveled a lot when I was younger, so I've already seen a lot of the world. Um, but it would be nice to be able to travel more with my wife and, you know, go back to Europe and see other parts of the world, go to Asia and things like that. Um, but I don't have any others. Like, I don't have a really specific sort of bucket list in that idea probably to, to publish to, to finish and publish a fiction a fiction novel would be a good idea for me it's a good it's a it's a place and it's a goal that i keep putting out in front of myself since you talked about travel what's your fantasy vacation destination like someplace you haven't been but is someplace you want to go first uh it, it italy is on our list just as like a sort of you know, because of how old the the culture is and how much there is to see there as a early destination of one of the first things we'd do. But also, I'd love to go to see Vietnam um, and Japan and places like that. I mean, you know, get, get going in like New Zealand seems like it'd be a lot of fun, too. Um some some of the farther flung corners of the world. I'd love to go see Egypt and places like that too. But I, I mean, I think that that's kind of it's a more difficult travel goal than it even used to be. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, that's that's my number one vacation destination. I must see Egypt before I die yeah. because I'm obsessed. My parents are going next year, actually. So 
that was my that was my dream job when I was a little girl. I um I wanted to be an archaeologist, specifically an Egyptologist, but uh, other things happened and that that didn't. But uh, I've always been obsessed with that. So, a uh, good call on Egypt. I also want to see Machu Picchu. Mm. All right. So, what were you like in high school? Were you the class clown, or were you the studious type, or were you just um? Uh, nerd. No, uh, I was a band nerd to my own detriment. I did a lot of music, a lot, far too much. Played in like the jazz band and the regular band. What instrument? Hmm? What instrument? Saxophone. <gasps> Do you still have one? No, I sold it a few years ago. I, I had no I had no real talent for music. I played a lot to be really mediocre at it. And it I I it was one of those things where I could have really used a very caring adult to pull me aside and be like, why are you wasting so much time on this? But you know, all of my all of my friends were in, in music as well. And so it just was an, a natural social place for me. And otherwise I was I uh, generally got very good grades. Pretty much all the time. Not not like straight A's, valedictorian kind of thing. But, you know, I, it would be rare for me to ever get a C in anything. And I was often a favorite student for teachers. And I was really, by high school, really fucking lazy. Just <laughs> um, would half-ass my way and cheat my way through any and every subject I could. Uh, do homework at the last minute if there was any way that I could get away with not doing something and still getting a good grade I would um, and that did not serve me well going into college that attitude because I was already totally fed up by the time I went to college and college just you know took me a long time to drift through and figure out what I wanted to do and what made sense anymore What's the wildest thing that you've ever done? Uh, skydiving, snorkeling, anything that you consider out of the ordinary? <sighs> like uh, once again, I, you know, I'm not really a, I'm not an ambitious person. I'm not a spontaneous person. I'm a very planning kind of person. But sometimes um, you can do wild things that take planning. Skydiving, for instance, takes a this, lot of planning. It's true. I would skydive, but I also I, I grew up out in the, the middle of nowhere, so I didn't really I had access to very few wild things. You know, I'd go to the gun range and go shooting and went hunting a couple times, did a lot of fishing did a lot of traveling but not a lot of really wild stuff i don't know i don't really have a wildest thing i've ever done all right if you could challenge one person in the entire world to play a best of three scrabble set because you like scrabble who would you who would you select to play you for a best of three well, the answer should be obvious. It's you, because you were supposed to get the app. I and know, I keep forgetting. And every me. time I open my Twitter and I see that, I'm like, I need to go get my phone. And then I get sidetracked. So yeah. I'm going to do that. As soon as we're done, I'm going to get it. And we're going to play Scrabble. But if it yeah. weren't me, who would it be? Oh, um, I don't know. I feel like you said me because you think you can beat me. <laughs> no, no, I said you because I don't have any other clue. I, I you know, like, I, I, I don't know. That's, I'm terrible for this because I don't know. I don't, I, I don't have any like celebrity crushes or anything like that. So like, you know, playing, playing with a friend would be honestly a lot more ideal for me than like, I don't know, getting to play with like, Alex Trebek or something, which would be the kind of, you know, answer I would have otherwise pulled out. See, for me, it would be one of the um, the since passed on comedians. And you mentioned Alex Trebek. And the, for me, the first 
one that popped into my head was Norm MacDonald because yeah, of his yeah. bits on Saturday Night Live as Turd Ferguson on their Celebrity Jeopardy. Yeah. And it just feel like it would be ridiculous words in the Scrabble with someone uh, like It's true. It, it is, there are a wealth of good answers here, and I am... <laughs> I'm just not that kind of person who I don't know. I don't, I don't spend a lot of my, my, I, I try not, I, I'm very, you know, anti, um, anti-celebrity. And you're not, you know what I notice about you? You're very rooted in reality. You're not, a. you don't seem like a dreamer to me. And and you've mentioned why, because you're not spontaneous and you're not ambitious. Yeah. So you're very much rooted in reality. And I feel like you uh, don't, uh, and I'm using this with air quotes, waste time with silly things like that when there are realistic things that you could be occupying your time. Yeah, like I, you know, I say you and you laugh, but honestly, like that is, I would rather play with you than Norm MacDonald. Like, I don't care. I don't know Norm MacDonald. I mean, he's dead. Well, he's dead now, so I can't know him. But like, you, you know, that wouldn't, it, it wouldn't, I don't know. It wouldn't get me, you know, they would be, I, I'd much rather play with somebody, a friend or something like that. All right. Now, I will ask you this one. This yeah. this does revolve around uh, a famous person. And sure. it can be past or present, a historian, Plato, Socrates, whoever, it doesn't matter. But if you could have dinner and conversation, we'll say two hours sure. with any person on this planet, could be anyone, your grandpa that's since passed, anything like that. But if you could have dinner with one person, past or present, who and why? Oh, uh, I, well, I mean, my first answer would be Julia Child because I did a really good meal out of it, too. <laughs> um, But also, otherwise, probably like Christopher Lee, since... You know, he was very much a Renaissance man, and that seems like it'd be a lot more fun than he just, was I don't know. a legit badass. What is your personal goal for the future? Like, do you plan on maybe expanding um, your house? Do you are you happy with your your house now? Do you want to move into a bigger house? Do you want to start a business? Do you want to? maybe follow in your father's footsteps because you're very artistic. That's one thing that isn't rooted in reality with you is that you're a super artistic person must be in the genes. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I feel, you know, I feel a little hard done by because I got all the aesthetic sense and I got none of the, the actual physical talent where like, I know what, it, I know what good art looks like. I know, you know, you give me a computer and some things that other people, some base designs that other people have drawn and I can collage really well and I can craft things out of things really well. Uh, but I don't have any natural affinity for drawing and painting and sculpting and things like that and i i know that that those are like learned skills too i know it's not one of those things where like you know it, it's not one of those things where you should just be magically good at these things and you're just going to be magically good at them and that and you're either good at them or not and that's how it works i know that people who do who are good at drawing and who are good at sculpting and who are good at painting learn them over years and years and years of hard work from a basic state. Um, but there's a combination there of passion and ability where you start out with a little bit of ability, maybe not even any ability at all, but you start out with, but it's coupled with the passion and the drive to do it and the, the drive to want to create that way. And I've tried to, draw and tried to paint and tried to sculpt and I'm always just miserable about it and then I don't want to do it anymore. I my my artistic creative passion ability to create anything of artistic interest really is all there for writing and that's that's where I can actually do good with that. But um 
I got the aesthetic ability from my parents, so or from my dad, not my mom. She's an accountant. She doesn't she she doesn't know creating art from creating art. But uh, yeah, I, goals for the future. Like I said, I, I, you know, I'd like to write a book. Um, moving in, I don't know, you know, a, a house bigger than my condo wouldn't be bad. But I'm, you know, those. That's all stuff that happens along the way. I'm not really be nice to have a place big enough to have like a a library room or something like that. I'm a big believer that every part of your house should all be purpose uh, designed. Mm -hmm. You know, I know it costs money to like build for a purpose, but if I have a house with four rooms, every room is going to be its own thing. It's going to be have to be have a very specific use to it. I don't, I'm not a person who would just have like, oh yeah. And these are our two spare bedrooms that people can sleep in. It's like, no, there'll be a bed in there, but (laughs) I'm going to, I'm going to use it for something all the time. So that, that kind of thing would be nice, but I, you know, I don't have big goals. I'm just kind of happy being or trying to be. If you could have, Joe Biden follow through with just one of his major campaign promises, which one would it be? Oh, it's got to be climate change. I mean, I I would love the debt reform. I would love the legal marijuana. I would love to see protections of Roe v. Wade. I would love to see uh, all sorts of very liberal, progressive policies put in place without question. But Climate change is the thing that's actually dire, the thing that actually has to be addressed right now, that has to have action. And, eh, you know, I doubt it's going to happen. What's your take on Elon Musk? Because he is all the rage right now. He's taking over Twitter and he's uh, being sued and he's just... Man, <laughs> there's too much Elon Musk for my taste, but I'm just curious what your take on him is. If you could sum him up in just a few words, what words would you use for him? <laughs> Seems like a dipshit. I love Completely it. Completely insufferable. I mean, I don't look, I know he's doing a lot of good stuff too, or trying to do a lot of good stuff too, but it a lot of it just feels so directionless. I don't know. I, I, I don't. Let me put it this way. I don't trust anybody with that much money. And I don't re, I don't care who they are. Yeah. You know, you'd be like, oh, well, what do you want, Bill Gates or something? And I don't give a shit about Bill Gates. Bill, fuck Bill Gates. You know, I, I, you, I, there is no person that rich that I want to see with that kind of power and money. And I don't care who it is. And. Anything Elon Musk does, I'm just going to automatically be distrustful of. And a lot of what he does seems incredibly ill-conceived, you know, Mm. things like his tunnel ideas, that stupid ass submarine he built to save those kids in the cave that, you know, it's just stuff that is like, there's a, he has like a momentary jolt of, hey, somebody should do something like this. And then all of the practicality and the follow through is just, you know, it's it's, it's all either done to chase, it's done chasing that idea without the practicality in the follow through or the follow through doesn't exist. He immediately runs into the same practical walls that everybody else runs into. And, you know, I mean, it, it just doesn't, nothing about it impresses me and I don't, I'm not interested. I'm I'm not. I don't even, even if he were really purely just trying to clean up the world, I am not interested in him. Like, you know, he would have to be doing it to the effect that he's not going to be rich anymore. Yeah. Like, unless he's giving away, unless he's funding so many projects and staffing so many projects that he literally does not have any money anymore or any value anymore. I don't care. Yeah. Now you're the biggest movie buff. I know Mm -hmm. period without question. So 
Is there any movie that you would not mind seeing a remake of or a reboot of? Sure, yeah. I mean, like, every now and then a really good one comes along. You get something like, uh, oh, what was the True Grit, mm-hmm. you know? That was a really well-made remake where the original was not that great a movie or um, – Oh, what was the, damn it, was the classic Clint Eastwood Civil War movie where he's trapped in the house with all the young women that I'm, they remade it with Colin Farrell. And anyway, these movies come along. They are often done, you know, there's room, the the movies I want to see remakes of are, movies that weren't were really interesting ideas when they were first made but really couldn't be all that well carried off at the time just because maybe the director's ideas weren't strong enough maybe the effects weren't strong enough i ask you this because i saw you comment because i i sort of stalk you a little bit um, I like seeing what you're interacting with because you're you very interesting to me. You are a funny person and you're very intelligent. So I do like when people that I like, I stalk their Twitters because I often find the most interesting things there. So I found this comment that you replied to about the Fantastic Four oh losing God, a director. Yeah. And you talked about it being a cursed franchise and nobody has been able to get it right yet. So that's why I asked this particular yeah. question. I mean, the, like I said, with the, the thing with the, the Fantastic Four thing I said in the thread is that I really think that the Fantastic Four is a very atomic age idea of superhero-ness. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, Superman was too. He was a very atomic age, but Superman was so ridiculously overpowered that they you could always kind of even if even if you can never make superman interesting you can't really ever make superman totally uninteresting either Mm. he's never going to be replaced or eclipsed because he has everything he has super weaving for crying out loud like there's not a super skill that superman doesn't have but the fantastic four is really like bootleg proto Mm x-men and X-Men is just a lot more interesting and cooler. And we really moved on from the Fantastic Four. So trying to reboot it over and over. Like when I was a little kid, probably when you were a little kid, Fantastic Four were like boring and already felt out of touch. to the comics. And nobody was buying that because everybody was buying, well, Spider-Man, Carnage series, X-Men. Yeah. Um, even, for Christ's sake, Interview with a Vampire had comics that people were buying ahead of Fantastic Four. Yeah, it just, it wasn't something, it was already out of date at the time. Mm-hmm. So it seems like, it seems nearly impossible. People are like, oh, the, you know, they made the Incredibles, and that was a fantastic four. But yeah, the, in the Incredibles, like that, they turned that into like a very wholesome family dynamic. And Pixar can't lose anyway. Yeah, yeah. But Fantastic Four didn't even. It's not even like you know. It's not even really a family. They just have sort of a family vibe, kind of, but not even really. It's just. It's it's just a weird sort of outdated idea of how a superhero team might work. And there's been so much that's eclipsed it since that I don't really see how you can go back and make it good. Uh, in terms of what movies I would like to see actually remade, um, that's tough. I don't know. I was just watching a movie, Arena, the other night. Is a classic 80s sci-fi movie about this guy on a satellite where they're doing these like UF proto UFC uh, alien robot combat leagues. Oh my God, I'm going to have to look this one up. And it's super low budget. It, it's basically like a 
extended low budget Babylon five episode. And it's gotten so like it's gotten so violent and high tech that humans can't compete anymore. But this guy's dream is to compete in arena. And I watch it. I'm like, you know what? This is super low budget, but it's actually fun. I would love to see a remake of a movie like that. You know, that's the kind of movie that I'd want to see remade where, yeah, they couldn't get any good actors. Yeah, the CGI in it, it looks like it was, you know, pulled off of a a Super Nintendo. (laughs) But the idea is really fun. And there's a good, fun movie to be made out of that. So I'll say that for now. All right. What was your favorite toy growing up? Because mine, outside of, you know, uh, my bike and my baseball glove, because I played softball from the time I could play t-ball. But uh, I really, really enjoyed my Star Wars figures. I had everything. Mm-hmm. The whole collection, all the, the the Death Star, the Millennium Falcon. I had everything. So what was your toy of choice? Legos. Oh. Pretty certainly. Yeah. I, I had a lot of Legos, played with a lot of Legos, made a lot of Lego sets. Uh, that was definitely my go-to free time playing by myself in my room toy of choice which like i say living in small town alaska out like 20 miles out of town spend a lot of time that way (laughs) (laughs) oh goodness uh i do have one last cooking question because all right and and this one is a good one because you actually commented to me of all those questions this is the one that's going to take me the longest. So, a world famous chef is going to make you a meal. Who's mm-hmm. making it? Yeah, um as I said celebrity kind of things for me it's kind of it's tough. I think my go-to right now would be like Ina Garten, just because so many of her recipes that I use are really good. And she seems so fun. Mm-hmm. That seems like it'd just be a really nice, enjoyable evening. Um, yeah. I don't know. Otherwise, Yeah. I think that's gonna be. I said. I, otherwise, maybe like you know, if I could, it was anybody in history. It'd be like it would be very much. Uh, um, Julia. Julia Child, yeah, because she seems she seems wonderful. I'm obsessed with the Iron Chefs. So any of the Iron Chefs could could do mine. Original or like American? No, original. Okay. No, yeah. definitely the originals. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No Bobby Flay. Not one Bobby there. Flay no in there. No Bobby Flay. I've actually eaten at one of Bobby Flay's restaurants, and it wasn't too bad. I ate it. Uh, he had uh, a Bolo restaurant inside Caesar's mm. Palace in Vegas, and uh, we ate there uh, back in two thousand and nine. <laughs> I don't even think it's there anymore. <clears throat> but it wasn't too bad. But no, I want a real Iron Chef to make mine. All right. Oh, now. Yeah, one other one, though. Rick Bayless would be the other. Uh, the maker of much fine Mexican cooking. Mm-hmm. Mostly because we could spend the whole time talking about his horribly annoying brother, Skip Bayless. Oh, my God. You're really. Yeah. Apparently, Skip Bayless was like the the much less beloved <gasps> younger brother of Rick Bayless. And that's why he has such a huge chip on his shoulder. Really? I love yeah. it. <laughs> All right. Now I just have two questions left to go. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Sure. Who's your favorite music artist? Oh gosh. And I've never known this about you. I know a lot about you from observation, but I don't know a thing about your musical inclinations at all. I, I know you like, I know you dig banjo music. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I'm definitely big banjo guy. Since, me. Since, since your buddy Connor is, is out there plucking tunes for us. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it, so in school, it would have been like, I, I, I 
I went through several phases growing up as, as we all do with music and, you know, at, at certain points I would have said like, th- there was a point where I would have said like corn, um, you know, I was a new metal kid for a while, definitely moved on to Deftones in a, in a hurry, which is still, uh, has a lot more lasting, like feels cool vibe to it. Mm-hmm. Didn't quite date itself so badly. Um, but and soil work would have been a big long time favorite for me, just their early stuff. Um, and I, you know, got I was into a lot of like speed metal and stuff like that after a while. And th- this point in my life, though, it's much more like Hall and Oates, Iron Maiden, um, you know, some old like blues and stuff like that too. Um, I'm I'm a lot more willfully eclectic with that kind of thing. Good. I like that though. That's that's awesome. Now, I, 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 I I will say this. I am not. This is part. You know, this is one of those things that um. I'm not really into music at this point in my life, and I think that that you know a lot of people hear that I say that, and a lot of people are like, oh well, how you know how do you like music? Obviously, you listen. A, I don't listen to it nearly as much as I I would like to because um my wife is incredibly picky about what music she will listen to and she can't, she's not the kind of person who can tune things out. So if I'm listening to something and she's really annoyed by it, she'll just be like, uh, can you turn that off? <laughs> and I'm just like, eventually I just kind of gave up the battle of like trying headphones. to, you need headphones, earbuds. I hate, I hate wearing headphones. What about I really, earbuds? I hate wearing earbuds a lot more than headphones. I would wear headphones more than earbuds. Oh, man. <laughs> um, but I, uh, but also just because I, re- I, I am a strong believer that it's not, you don't need to be that invested into all different parts of culture. Mm-hmm. You don't need to be, a lot of people, I think they kind of trick themselves into the idea that they need to be up on TV, they need to be up on film, they need to be up on music, they need to be up on the books that ever are coming out, and like, what's the popular thing everybody's reading right now, what's the popular thing everybody's watching right now, what's the popular thing everybody's listening to, all that. And I am much more of the feeling at this point in my life that it's totally okay to just admit that you're not going to be that interested in things. And to just not be, not even try to keep up with stuff. And I don't keep up with music. Something comes up and I like listening to it. I might listen to it a bit. That's fine. And every now and then I'll buy an album from something I find that I really like that catches my ear. But I have no like track I'm following with music or attempt to try to create a taste in music at this point in my life. And I invest all that energy into film instead. And that's where I have clear paths and passions and drives and things that I'm constantly searching for and selecting and all that, which is why you don't see it on my Twitter feed of me talking about music all that often. All that often. I haven't found a single reference. <laughs> that's that's one thing when I put these lists together, I go through your feeds too, so that I can pick and pull things that I think might be interesting questions. And so my last one and I picked this specifically because I couldn't find anything about music on your on your timeline. Mm-hmm. Is it your go-to karaoke song if you karaoke? And if you don't, if you were to karaoke, what song would you want them to, to sing? I, I do karaoke. I do the karaoke rooms with like a with friends. I'm not I, I'm a terrible singer, so um I just have and like I, I it's just not not even that I can't carry a tune on my own. I'm not the worst singer in that way, but I have no ear for being in the correct tune with something else. Mm -hmm. So it's really easy for me to be like on my own pitch, but not on pitch with the thing I'm singing along with. So I, I I don't want to subject a whole room full of people that I don't know to me singing, but I will sing very aggressively and loud in like, karaoke with friends um but my go-to song is absolutely whiskey in the jar the thin lizzy version not the metallica version oh all right so whiskey in the jar 
Yeah. And I think that about wraps up my 20 random questions with Zane. We did manage to pop in an extra one. We got a full-blown biryani recipe and a good insight into you, I think. Oh, I, I feel so. like I know you a lot better now. Well, actually, I kind of hope not, but you know what? We'll we'll find out. Well, I'd like I'd like I'd like to. to keep a little bit of my uh, ethereal mystique, you know. But yeah, but I'm oh. allowed to know you a little better. Yeah, but now everybody else does too. So I that's. Gosh, maybe we're I'm gonna more... kill this. This this yeah. is this can never be aired. It's... This is all off the record. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to bury it with the uh, with the redaction label on it. Nobody yeah, knows yeah. who this guy is that I interviewed. Just bleeps for every answer, just long, like, beep, Or maybe beep. I could, uh, and joining me today is beep, and then we yeah, yeah, play the... exactly. <laughs> so before we go, tell everybody what you have going on right now and where we can find you on social media. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at the Zane Simon, and week in, week out, on the Bloody Elbow podcast, the sixth round post-fight show, and the MMA vivisection. Every non-UFC fight week, the MMA depressed us. And day in, day out, over at bloodyelbow.com. There you have it, folks. So, until next time, please stay safe. Thank you for listening to this Bloody Elbow Presents production. To check out more of our content, hop over to the Bloody Elbow Presents SoundCloud and iTunes pages, as well as subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is titled Bloody Elbow Presents. We are also on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, Overcast, Player FM, and Amazon Music. Just search for Bloody Elbow Presents and you will get brand new shows throughout the week, including Care Don't Care, The Mookie and Crookie Show, The MMA Vivisection, The Level Change Podcast, the sixth round post fight show, sixth round retro, the MMA depressed us, Crooklyn's Corner, exclusive fighter interviews, show money, and radio style play by play for every UFC pay per view. Be sure to also follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow, Facebook at facebook.com slash Bloody Elbow blog, and as always on bloodyelbow.com. <laughs>